marked down this date, July 3rd, 2016. That was uh, Lauren's first time to accompany a, a special a song in church. That was great. Great job. Thank you so much, ladies. That was great. Father, I pray that you'd please help us tonight. Speak to our hearts. Open our eyes. Bless our time together. Lord, I pray that we would have a very special commemoration, if that's probably not the best word, but of uh, your sacrifice on Calvary. And when we spend a few minutes considering what Calvary purchased for us, bless our time together, I pray in Christ's name, amen. Last Sunday morning, if you recall, we talked about sanctification. I told you that there are three great works associated with salvation. Now, there's so many Bible words, so many Bible concepts and topics that you ought to study. And uh, yet, you could fit them all when it comes to salvation. You could, you could have one big umbrella word called salvation. And then underneath that word salvation... You could subdivide salvation into three massive categories. And the first one would be justification. The second would be sanctification. The third would be glorification. And I believe everything related to salvation could fit under one of those three categories. And just to refresh your memory, justification is what God did to get you saved. The work of justification is done. It's completed. Now, you enjoy the benefits of it now, and you will for eternity, but as a work, it is done. It was completed the moment you said, I know I've sinned against you, Lord, and I'm sorry, and I'm turning to Jesus Christ as my Savior from sin because he's the sacrifice. He took my place. He was my substitute, and I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior. The moment you made that decision, bang, justification was completed for you. You then moved into this work of sanctification, and that's where you live right now. God is right now, every day of your life, every moment of your life, doing the work of sanctification, and we talked about that last Sunday morning. The moment... You see Jesus. The moment that either he returns and we meet him in the air or you die and go to heaven, that moment, the third part of salvation begins and goes, uh, lasts for eternity, and that is the work of glorification. That's when we become like him, we receive our glorified bodies. And that is all under the umbrella of salvation. Tonight, I want to go back to that very first one, And before we go to the cross through the Lord's Supper, I want to examine for a few minutes this idea of justification. Do yourself a favor. Don't let yourself be bored by topics like justification. Don't let yourself be bored by examining what you have through Jesus Christ. It's so important that you know what you have. Just like our American heritage, which we talked about this morning, if you don't know what you have, you won't value what you have. If you don't value what you have, you won't live it. You won't protect it. And so, and and I'll tell you, one reason a lot of believers wind up wondering whether or not they're really saved is because they never made the effort to examine what is theirs 
And so let's not be foolish. Let's not let ourselves be bored. Let's begin, first of all, by a very simple definition. To be honest, I had a page-long definition that I was going to go with. And I said, no, that's too complicated. I have now a three-word definition of justification. What it means to justify. You ready for this? This is awesome. To render innocent. Innocent is a powerful word. Innocent doesn't mean you did it, but we're just going to forget about it. We're going to let it go. No, justification. Now, God did pardon our sin. But he went beyond pardoning pardoning us. He rendered us innocent. In God's sight, we are innocent of all sin. That doesn't make a bit of sense to me. Because I know I'm guilty. I know that I've rebelled against God. I know that he made me to love, and yet I've spent a lot of my life hating. I know that he made me to deal truthfully, and yet I know how to lie, and I've done it plenty. And you know that you have not lived up to, you have fallen short of the glory of God. You know that you are, you are a part of the race and as such you are guilty of being the only part of God's creation that doesn't do what he made it to do. And when you have something that doesn't do what it's made to do, what do you do? You throw it out. If you didn't keep your receipt or if you can't get your money back, you may be a handy guy like Brother Steve and try to fix it yourself. Uh, but, but ultimately, if it's useless because it won't do what it's made to do, you destroy it. You throw it out. We are the only part of God's creation that does not do what he made us to do. That's one reason I love nature so much is because nature has done for all these years what God made, every element of nature, has done for all of these years what God made it to do. And yet, I as a human being, God made, he gave me this simple set of standards in the Ten Commandments. And the longer you look at the Ten Commandments, the more you realize how you fail. Do you realize, for example, let's start with the first commandment. I'm not going to go through all ten, don't worry. I, I am in a talkative mood for some reason, but uh, I'm not going to go through all ten. But just start with the first one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And what did Jesus tell those who asked him, which is the first and great commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy mind and heart and soul. Okay. If I were not a sinner, I would have such a devotion for God constantly. I wouldn't have to remind myself to love him. Nobody would have to preach to us about love God, love God, love God. It would flow. I would be so devoted to God. And if the human race, who the human people that say, I'm not a sinner. 
get their opinion on God sometime. See if they can ever use his name in a positive context instead of, oh my God, or God, damn this or that. If we were not sinners, we would have such a love for God. And, and it would not ever be, wow, okay, but we're sinners, we're guilty, we're wicked, we are rebellious, we have corrupt hearts. Not compared to other people, maybe. I, I'm no Jeffrey Dahmer. I probably don't remember who that is. Uh, uh, I'm no, uh, who's the guy in California? The, the, I'm no Charles Manson. Yeah, but that's not the point. The point is, you're no Jesus Christ. We've sinned against him, and yet... Through justification, we are rendered innocent. That's incredible. That's the definition. Let me give you a song. Some of you have heard this song. This was written probably, I'm going to guess, in the 50s or 60s, maybe even the 70s of the 1900s. And it was uh, written by a, a man, Brother Steve, do you know the name Bill Harvey? He was, he was a song leader in uh, independent Baptist circles in the, in the 60s and 70s, and I don't know a whole lot about him, but I know that he wrote this song. Listen to the first verse in the chorus. I'm not going to sing it. God held a great glowing balance. How many can picture the scales of justice? That's what we're talking about here with the balance, where you, it's, it's held in the middle, and there's... Uh, weight suspended by the string or chain or something over here in the or I'm sorry a, a, a bowl or like a like a dish or a um, vessel over here and the same vessel over here and so the same exact scales of justice everybody can picture that okay that's what it's talking about here God held a great glowing balance and one side was waiting for me the other side held such perfection as God had demanded there be. Now let me, let me stop just so that everybody can understand this. Because even in my lifetime, I've never walked into a store where this kind of a balance was used. So let's understand this quickly. Okay? We know scales, you know, digital scales, whatever, you put it on there and it weighs. Uh, the closest thing to this is uh, we used to, we, when I was a kid, my mother always shopped at Pathmark. I remember Pathmark off of Exit 8, yeah, Pathmark. And um, I think they, they still have these kind of things around, but, you know, you, you tear off the plastic bag and you get your squashes or your cucumbers or your zucchinis and you put them inside the plastic bag and then you put it inside the scale and it pulls it down and the little thing, you know, points to two or three or whatever and that's how you know how much you're going to be paying for it. But... That's the closest thing, but these, these scales right here, okay, here, this is, this is the way merchants used to operate here. You got these scales, and so you're going to buy a microphone, all right, and you're going to put the microphone in the empty side of the scale over here, and instantly it's going to go down like that. So you take a one-pound weight, and you put it over here, and it comes up a little, you put another one-pound weight, and it comes up a little. And there's a needle up here that tells you when it's perfectly balanced. 
and you put another pound weight and it comes up a little. And when that needle is in the middle, that means that the weight over here matches the weight over here. So once you get to the middle, then you look at how many weights you've got in there. And the total is how much this weighs. And multiplied by how much you're paying per pound, and that tells you what you owe the store manager. Most of you already got that, but in case you didn't, I want you to understand that's what he's talking about here. God held a great glowing balance. One side was waiting for me. The other side held such perfection as God had demanded there be. Then God held the scale in the middle, and my side soared high with my sin. In other words, here's perfection, here's my goodness, and bang! Perfection was so heavy and my goodness was so light. My side soared high with my sin. I cried for my side to be balanced. You ready for this? Then Jesus the Savior stepped in. That's justification right there. I'm justified. I'm happy in Jesus today. The sins I've committed, they're all in the past. They'll never condemn me, for he holds me fast. I'm justified, justified. I'm happy in Jesus today. Maybe at some point we'll sing that. I don't think we've had. Have you ever sung that, Brother, Brother Steve? I've, but but uh, has anybody here ever sung that? All right, we've got to make that work. Let me give you a few thoughts from preachers. All these, all these men are dead. I like to read dead men. They can't hurt you. I want to read the words of some men of the past about justification quickly, but don't miss this. A.C. Dixon, one of my favorite men to read. Justification is putting the sinner in the condition before God as if he had never sinned at all. It is giving him a standing in the merit of Jesus Christ of absolute innocency before God. Justification, this is also A.C. Dixon or still, listen, is justification is putting the soul back into the Garden of Eden before the hiss and bite of the serpent existed. Giving the soul a position as if it had not sinned at all. I am to be treated as if I had not sinned at all upon the merit of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, if we were in a shouting service right now, that would deserve a couple of laps around the whole place right there. I am to be treated as if I had not sinned at all upon the merit of the blood of Jesus Christ. I can't run, but I can say... Amen. A.J. Gordon. Justification is the first and initial transaction. That was a mess up. Start over. Justification is the first and initial transaction of the Christian life. J.C. Ryle. The moment a person begins to be a justified person, he also begins to be a sanctified person. Oratory. Forgiveness, as glorious as it is, is a negative thing. 
It means merely that our sins are put away and we are regarded as if we had no sin. But justification is positive. It means that we are counted as positively righteous. That positive and perfect righteousness, the perfect righteousness of Christ, is credited to our account. Here's a, that's justification. That's what it is. Here's a preacher named W.P. McKay. Don't you wish we lived in the day when everybody just had initials? J.J. Vasek. There are but two classes of sinners. The justified and the condemned. And there are only two eternal homes. Heaven and hell. W.W. Martin. Justification is the act of God as judge on the basis of the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Also, W.W. Martin, justification is not simply a pardon. Justification reestablishes a man in the position in which he was before he fell. It means he is fully restored to divine favor. It's a pretty big word, this justification. William Reed, justification is a poor, law-condemned, self-condemned, self-destroyed sinner wrapping himself by faith in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to look into the Bible for a few minutes. The word justify or justified is used 54 times in the whole Bible, and it's not always talking about salvation. Sometimes it's used, you know, somebody in the Old Testament, such and such a person did something to justify himself. And so it's not, uh, I don't know the percentage, I don't have that here, but it's not always talking about salvation. Sometimes, by the way, it is talking about God being justified in the sight of men. But we're going to talk about, we're going to look at several places, and you can turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 5, we're going to start there. Justification is a legal term. And so I want you to look at it with me tonight and picture a courtroom with God as the judge. How many of you have ever been inside of a courtroom for, for any reason? Okay, and you're all a bunch of criminals. So I want you to picture yourself in the courtroom with God as the judge. God the Father is the judge. And I want to look at several parts of justification based on the Bible. First of all, Romans 5, 9, I want to show you the grounds of justification. What do we mean by that? Okay, here's the judge of the universe. And he says to me, the defendant, I'm looking to be justified. On what grounds do you seek justification so here's the grounds of justification Romans 5 9 much more than being now justified read the next three words with me ready by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him the grounds of justification is always only the blood of Jesus Christ. 
You know, it's very important when you get saved that you don't go to God and receive Jesus Christ, the teacher, for yourself, though he was a great teacher. It's very important that you don't go to God and say, Dear God, I know I've sinned against you. I'm sorry, but I'm going to trust the great man, the only begotten Son of God, because he was of perfect moral character, and I receive him now. You're not saved. There's only the only grounds for justification is, dear God, I know I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. But I know that Jesus died in my place. The only grounds of justification is the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as your substitute. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That's the, ground, the only grounds for justification. The grounds of justification is not, I'm really, really sorry, Lord. Please save me. The grounds of justification are not that you pray to prayer. And you prayed it exactly right. The grounds of justification is not that you were really, really sorry for your sin and you repented with everything that you knew how to do. The grounds of justification, the only reason that we have to go to God and say, I want justification, and the only reason he will grant justification in the court of heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for your sins. Be very careful. Be very careful when you're witnessing to children if you have that opportunity. We don't witness to children when we're out door to door unless their parents give us permission. And I mean their parents are right there and you ask them specifically. But we don't just walk up to a kid on the street and start witnessing to him. But if you have the opportunity to witness in, in, the, in the ministry of our church, in Sunday school, in junior church, or as, a, as an altar worker here in the church, be very careful that you don't just say to a child, do you want to go to heaven? Ask Jesus in your heart. That kid's not saved. They've got to know they've sinned against God, and they've got to know that Jesus is their sacrifice for sin. No, you don't have to use words like justification, but they do have to understand that Jesus died in their place. The grounds of justification, the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to look for a second at the refused grounds of justification. In other words, Someone has come into court and the judge says, on what grounds do you seek justification? And they offer their grounds and there's one specifically that the Bible clearly says, and it really, it's the only other grounds besides the blood of Jesus Christ. And God absolutely rejects that and says, set it as a precedent of this court. No one will ever be justified on those grounds. Romans chapter 3. If you're there, Romans chapter 3 and verse number 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. 
So everyone that ever says to you or to me, yeah, I believe God's going to let me into heaven because I've done my best. God says, every time those grounds will be rejected. Yeah, but I, I believe, and we're going back to the scales now, and people have said this. I don't know where this came from, but people say this. I believe God's going to put my, my good works on one side and my bad works on the other, and if my good works outweigh my, my bad, he's going to let me in. And the judge of the universe says that is rejected as grounds for justification every time by the deeds of the law. There shall no flesh be justified in his sight. The grounds of justification, the blood of Jesus Christ. The refused grounds of justification, the deeds or the works of the law. But now stay there in Romans 3 and let's look at the means. The grounds is the blood of Jesus Christ. Where's the means? How does, how does justification get to us? How does the blood of Jesus Christ get applied to us? And Romans 3.24 tells us that. The means of justification being justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So the redemption, there's another reference to the blood. Redemption means payment. And Jesus paid for us. Through his blood. But that's, that's the, the grounds. But the means. How did that payment get to us? By his grace. And freely. That's, that's, God's almost being redundant there for, for a purpose. For the, re, for the purpose of showing us just how free and generous it is. Freely by his grace. I mean. If someone ever gave their life for us, our question would be, why would you do this? If a convicted criminal who knows he, a murderer who knows he's guilty, who knows he deserves to die, and someone steps in and dies for him and says, you can go free if you want to. Someone he's never met. Someone who has nothing to gain. That criminal's question would be, why would you do this? Why? Why? And the answer to why would you do this? Why would God take those who have rebelled against him? We are useless in his sight and he's going to put us back and he's going to view us as innocent like Adam and Eve before the fall. Why would you do that? What, what's the motive? What's the reason for doing that? Freely? By his grace. If you want to put it in, in more terms easier to understand, because God is a very generous God. Because he, he's motivated by love and he, he wants to Fix what we've broken. He wants to take what we made wrong and make it right. For anybody to accuse God of, I don't believe a loving God would send anybody to hell. That is the most ridiculous, and this is a good word. It sounds like a bad word, but it's a good word. The most asinine thing you can possibly say. To accuse God 
of sending someone to hell when he did everything possible to take hell-bound sinners and make them just as innocent as Adam and Eve before the fall. And the only way you go to hell is by refusing that. So don't blame that on God. The means of justification, being justified freely by his grace. What are the terms now? The ground of justification, the blood of Jesus Christ. The rejected ground, absolutely never the law, the deeds of the law. Never, ever, ever the means of justification, the grounds of justification. What's the means? The grace of God. That's how it got to us. That's how, I mean, I'm standing here in court and someone comes in and says, hey, we just got a, we, we just got a message that you have the opportunity to be pardoned. pardoned. Where would that message come from? Who, who's looking out for me here? And the answer, grace. Justified freely by his grace. But now what are the terms? Oh, okay. What do I got to do? What do I got to do? The terms, verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Now, what we've been studying on Wednesday night in James chapter 2 does not contradict that one bit. All it does is define the quality of faith. If it's a faith that's just lip service, that's not what God's looking for. If it's a faith that changes your perspective to the place where it affects your works, it affects your actions, That's what God's looking for. He's not looking for the actions because by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. He's looking for the faith. But the quality of faith is a faith that changes your behavior. If there's no change in your behavior, what you have is not faith. What you have is just a desire to get free stuff from God. No, God's looking for a, Jesus died for me. And so I can choose my own sin and go to hell with my own sin, or I can, I can believe on Jesus. I take Jesus. And that faith is going to make you get busy for God. Not going to make you perfect, but you're going to have a desire to please that Savior that you just trusted. So, but back to Romans. We'll get back to James Wednesday night, all right? The terms of justification, faith. Believe on Jesus. Because he shed his blood for your sin. We'll look at two more proofs of the, of the terms of justification. Then we'll go to the Lord's Supper. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Just a couple of pages over for you probably. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1. Therefore being justified by faith. On the grounds of the blood of Jesus Christ. By the means of the grace of God. But, but what are the terms? Oh, the terms? You just got to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified by faith. One more place. Uh, we can read the rest of the verse, but it, it doesn't go to the point. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, that's going beyond salvation and talking about the benefits of it. But now let's look. Last verse. Turn back to the book of Acts, chapter 13. To a message preached by the Apostle Paul soon after he began his traveling ministry, his first missionary journey, Acts chapter 13. And this just sort of sums up everything that we've discussed here about justification. Acts 13 and verse number 39. Acts 13, 
verse number 39. Would you read that with me? Ready? And by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Ooh, that's just like, I mean, it just makes me feel all tingly. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. By Jesus, all that believe are justified from all things. Everything that made you a sinner, you are justified and made innocent from it. By believing. And the law of Moses could never do that. All your trying could never do that. Oh, I'm going to try. All your trying could never make you justified from all things. Praise God for justification. What's the grounds of justification? The blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why as we partake of the Lord's Supper tonight, we just need to praise God, praise God, praise God. For the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's, I'm going to ask the men to take your position for the Lord's Supper.